Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. Started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey Grantra. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It is my absolute privilege and pleasure to announce to you all that the Arizona Coyotes are, you heard it, my imaginary little drum roll, Stanley Cup contenders. I can't even say it. I'm so excited. They are in the playoffs for the first time since 2012. This is a big deal, and I can't wait to celebrate with you all and be talking about this a little bit with my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? You know that it's uh, also, not only is it Stanley Cup Playoffs Week, Corey, but it's also Shark Week. So it's like two of my favorite things in one in the same week. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle myself here. You may spontaneously combust. I may, yeah. Maybe I almost died on Saturday night, so maybe that was part of it too, where I just couldn't couldn't contain the excitement. <laughs> almost, almost died. <laughs> your yeah, your your celebratory cigars went uh, went too far. No, it's probably the fact that it's like uh, freaking hot as hell all day long, every day anymore. Yeah, I think that was the main reason why. But uh, it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, I almost, yeah, like it was, I don't think I've ever been that nauseous in my life before. Like it was weird. It was a weird, weird, weird thing that I don't really still understand why it happened. But, but I'm back now, back to 100%, excited for Shark Week, excited for the Coyotes Stanley Cup playoffs matchup against the Avalanche. And I'm excited to talk about what happened in game four, which was exhilarating and exhausting all at the same time 
and then we'll uh, we'll talk about and preview the Coyotes and Avalanche series, which I was teasing on Twitter over the last couple of days that I ran the series through my my analysis and my algorithm, and the algorithm has been running nonstop for the last thirty six hours, and I think the algorithm is finally ready to spit out a prediction. <laughs> You are going full blown. I'm trying to think of what that movie is called. When, when, uh, long came Polly or whatever, where he like puts in, he works for, um, a, like an insurance company and they have, he has to figure out how, um, how much of a risk someone is like, cause it's like life insurance and stuff. And, um, he has to put it in an algorithm exactly like what their risk is or whatever. I feel like that is what you are like a human version of that pretty much yeah I, I worked hard at it it never fails it didn't fail me in the first series with the coyotes and predators i was off by a game but that happens sometimes i i ended up getting the the team right which is really all that mattered i mean if anyone was right it was me initially i got scared after the exhibition game and went back on it and in, in, in our graphic, I put Arizona in five instead of Arizona in four. But before that, up until that moment, I was Coyotes in four all the way. So I'm going to take that. Um, I'm going to take that as far as I can go with the fact that I was right about something for once. Yeah, and I gave you credit for it on Twitter. I said that that you were you were correct. And I would just like to point out that. The uh, Vegas podcast put out their like predictions, like kind of like we did, and they had a scoring system for their predictions. And I'd just like to point out that now we didn't pick the winners of the round robin competition, so we just did the qualifying series. And if we just went by the by the same scoring system that they did, which is you got a point for picking the right team and you got a bonus point for picking the games. Um, we we did better than pretty much the entirety of that podcast, like combined. Like we crushed them. Both of us ended up with five points. And then um, I think Carlo ended up with five points and then everybody else was garbage. Yeah, well, one is because he chose the Coyotes. We know who makes the right choices over there. Yeah, exactly. Shout, shout out to Carlo for having our backs in that in that first round but where where should we start today we have a lot to get to we well really quickly before we move on i would like to say um a giant i told you so to all of the people on our network that thought i was crazy for saying coyotes and four because they were thinking that there was no way that the coyotes were winning that series let alone in four games and um i told you so i just needed to put that out there because for um, a long time, people were giving us crap, thinking, per the usual, because that's what everyone likes to do about the Coyotes. They like to think that they are absolutely nothing, you know, like they're not a contender for anything. So the fact that they automatically assume that and counted us out as being wrong and that we were doing it just because we favor the Coyotes, obviously, they were thinking that just because we favored the Coyotes, we chose that. No, we actually have logic behind what we say and a lot of the things we were saying leading up to that series pretty much is what happened too right i mean everything we talked about i think was right on the nose and 
I predicted, like, hey, if we get 5% more production from all these guys, they'll win. And they did. Phil Kessel, four points in four games. Clayton Keller, four points in four games. Oliver and Larson, four points in four, four games. Oh, and then what, what were, kind of were you saying, Corey? If everybody buys in, they'll win. What, what happened? All these guys on the bottom, bottom six were scoring big goals at big times, including in game four, Grabner, Osterley, and then Brad Richardson with the game winner. So a lot of what we said, 100% rang true. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the best this team has communicated for the entire season. I mean, they this team did pretty well and was buying in pretty well for the first half or so, but the second half, definitely not at all. I still think that their communication um, in this series was still probably the best that it's been all year, even going up against the first half of the season. I mean, they're last two games started out extraordinarily slow but um you know up against nashville i would have totally preferred that as long as they end strong because that was what um they needed to do to to beat nashville in that situation i don't think that is what they should be doing going forward they need to have 60 minutes of complete consistent hockey i mean i think this time around what i'm going to say the word that i'm going to say for success in this upcoming series is going to be consistency because they can't kind of rely and rest in their laurels a little bit on this. They have to, they can't rely on Kemper for everything. They have to really be coming out of the gate strong in order to advance and to have a chance against Colorado. There's, there's no way that they can come out with the same type of showing and expect to really succeed against Avalanche. Yeah, and you you hit the nail on the head with that one because that was something that Coach Toggett was talking about on Sunday when he was talking to us in uh, in the media, and he was essentially saying the same thing. He was like, listen, against Nashville, I thought a lot of times early on in games, we were standing still. We weren't skating. We were taking a lot of shots on goal in that time, and he was essentially saying, we can't do that against Colorado. Colorado is too good up front to allow that to happen, so – they can't do that same exact thing. They they cannot stand around in the first period against that top line of Colorado because they will beat you and they will beat you pretty easily because you know they're three of the best they have three of the best players in the league, the best line in hockey in my opinion, and Nathan McKinnon, Gab- Gabriel Landeskog and and Miko Rantanen. Like they're legit. And they had injury problems all three of those guys throughout the year and they overcame that and they ended up being one of the best teams in the Central Division division. And um, they almost damn near beat the Vegas Golden Knights on on Saturday night for that to get that one seed and end up facing the Blackhawks, but they didn't do that. And and yeah, you're 100% right. I think that's going to be a big key to this series, if not the biggest key, is how the Coyotes start in the first period. Because how key was that in in the in the Nashville series, right? All four of those games, the team that scored the first goal won the game. So. I have a feeling it's going to be very, very similar for the Colorado series is the Coyotes play better normally when they're the they're the pace setter, they're the tone setter, they're the ones that are dictating the pace of the game and not the other way around because, you know, Nashville did a really good job, I thought, a lot of times of dictating the pace that the Coyotes were playing to Nashville's game and that, and that the Coyotes were able to weather that storm and then they were able to find ways to score. But, you know, and luckily for the Coyotes – the way the Coyotes play is, in a lot of ways, very similar to Colorado, where they like to play that up-and-down game 
It's uh, and I think that's why this series is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a fun one to watch, and and I'm just hoping that we see the Coyotes come out the way that we know that they can, and I just really hope that they don't rely on Kemper too much because you're right in the fact that the Coyotes were scoring that first goal and that was the the tone setter, but at the same time, they, as you had said too, looked extremely flat coming out. They weren't skating. They it just honestly looked like it took them a while to wake up in each of these games. And Nashville's plan was to just fling pucks at the net, which doesn't mean that all of their shots they were taking were always quality shots. They were just ones that they were hoping if they flung it over there that they would somehow make it in, which is how they won one of those games. And I mean, you know, good for them. They stuck to that and that was how they won game two but it didn't really apply when uh, Kemper was stone cold through games three and four. It just, that game plan was not their friend for sure. And I doubt Colorado is going to be coming in with the same idea because of the fact that they have such a strong offensive core and they have forwards that can make extremely smart plays and really hard shots. And so that is, you're going to have to have uh, a stellar performance out of the Yotes D. There's no if ands, or buts about it, but you also need those top players that, you know, somewhat showed up, but then we need them to show up like in spectacular fashion. And, you know, that equals out to the amount of money that they're either getting paid or wanting to get paid in Taylor Hall's case. And, Quickly, before a quick sidetrack, because I'm going to play a bit a piece of audio from Rick Taki here in a moment, where he's kind of going through the scouting report of the Colorado Avalanche, kind of reiterating some of the things we've been saying over the last couple of minutes. But I want to update you, Corey. You know how prior to the show, I was complaining that I had a piece of food stuck in my teeth? Did you finally get it? It's gone now. It's gone. Thank yes, God. It's like, it's like eating corn. Corn is the worst, because then you just feel like you've, been attacked by a food and it like stays with you for forever so i'm really glad that you got to took care of that it was it wasn't corn by the way people it was a sandwich i was eating a delicious sandwich from jersey mike's and feel free ads richard okay i was eating a sandwich and (laughs) it was delicious and and yeah something that got caught in my teeth so i've been picking at it with my tongue for the last 25 minutes irregardless food is gone which means we can actually get to this this piece of audio from Rick Tockett where he is going through all these top players that the Avalanche has, and he's kind of explaining why he knows it's going to be a tough task against the Avalanche. We got one of the best players in the, in the, in the world. Um, the Makar um, on defense is world-class. Um, they got, you know, Lanza Scott is a two-way gritty that can score. I mean, they got, you know, Rand, like they got, they got high-powered offense. Um, their stats, you know, obviously, what I think they're fourth in the league in score uh, goals for. Uh, their top ten in shots. Uh, defensively, I think they're sixth in the league. I mean, they got their top ten in everything, you know. Um, so it's quite a challenge for us. Um, it's it's going to be exciting for our young guys to play against these guys. And and quickly, Corey, I want to follow up on that. I was looking at the stats according to NHL.com. Colorado, like like Rick said there. 32.2 shots per game, 
The Coyotes average 31.7 shots per game, so it's really not that big of a difference between the two. And then when you look at shots against per game, the Coyotes 32.4, the Avalanche 31.3. So the, both of these teams like to, like we've been saying, like to uh, push the pace, like to uh, put as many pucks on net if possibly, if they possibly can. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. It's That's the thing. Is it just going to be hard when it comes to consistency? You know, he he's an amazing goaltender, but you just can't be – giving up an insane amount of shots and expecting him to keep you in every game through, you know, and that was a game, uh, a series of five, best of five. And you definitely can't be asking that from your goaltenders in series of seven. Yeah. Yeah. 100% Colorado, by the way, 2.71 goals against per game. That's sixth in the league, as Rick Targo was talking about. The Coyotes were fourth in the league in that statistic at 2.61. And I think that's something that a lot of us who don't watch the Colorado Avalanche don't realize a lot of times. We we think of the Colorado Colorado Avalanche as a team that is that puts up goals like crazy. They were fourth in the league, 3.37 goals, goals four per game. And we don't think of them as a great defensive team, but they certainly are. And that's something that the Coyotes can't overlook because um, we know that Nashville, I don't think, is the greatest defensive team in the world. I mean, they have those, like we talked about, they have that elite level talent at the top of their roster with Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi. And they were damn good all series, if not the two best players for Nashville all series. But Arizona was stable to pop up four goals per game plus, and um, it's going to be a, a, maybe a little bit tougher task for some of those guys to to uh, put up those kinds of uh, numbers against a really stout Colorado defense that includes a couple of goaltenders who, and you know Pavel Franku and and Philip Grubauer who, you know we were talking to the Colorado Avalanche guys on their podcast and and they were both kind of saying how. Both of those goalies have been playing really well all season, which is, again, something we normally don't put together with the Avalanche. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be quite the series for the Coyotes. I'm just glad that they're going to be on a national stage that show, you know, whether they are the underdogs in this, which they prefer to be the underdogs anyways, um, it's kind of where they prefer their position to be. They like to be able to prove people wrong. But, I mean, I think it's just nice that they're going to be going into um, a playoff series again. And that's like an official one, not a plan, but an actual playoff series. And to be able to, on a national level, prove that they deserve to be part of the conversation. And you know who spoke to that exact topic after game four? It was Brad Richardson, and he had probably the line of the entire season for the Arizona Coyotes. Here's what uh, Brad Richardson said after his game-winning goal in Game Four. Um, I mean, I just like I said, we 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 obviously had a discussion um, that we just you know we had to put it past us. We can't worry about we no we can't control any of the guys in the room. And the coaches really can't control anything going on behind the scenes. So we just knew we had to go out and play and do our job and play. And um, you know, everyone just wanted to play. We're all I think we're all sick and tired of. You know the Coyotes being out of the conversation, and I think um, you know at least uh, we put ourselves in that. Absolutely, freaking lutely. It's nice to hear some of them admit to the fact that like 
you know, we always complain about the fact that, um, you know, that the coyotes are constantly being taken out of the idea of them ever being really a competitive team. Everyone likes to make the jokes about them being moved to Houston and, you know, the fact that we can't find a rink and everything with Chica and all this stuff. It, it you as a fan always get irritated and think that it's annoying that no one ever wants to talk about them as being contenders, but you got to think as a player who, you know, sees all of that, not only do you see critique about yourself, but you see critique about the team itself and people constantly um, undermining the status of your team also has to be exhausting. So I'm sure that this was very vindicating for them because of the fact that they finally showed we are contenders and that, you know, they are more elite than anyone has been giving them credit for. So I'm really glad that he actually, you know, said that out loud and really put that out in the public that they're tired about that. They're tired of that as well. And that they've finally earned respect rightfully. And yeah. How many so-called prognosticators did we see picking the Nashville Predators in that series? It was like something like 70%. And I got made fun of because I was like, Oh, all of these experts are picking the, the predators. And then somebody chirped back at me and said it was, Oh, well that's why they're called experts. Well, apparently they're fucking not because they all got it wrong. Anyway, I want to play a couple more pieces of Rick Talkett audio before we get to uh, the um, Colorado Avalanche podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, Offside by a Mile. And the first one here is, Corey, something that you've been preaching all season long from from on this show about how the Coyotes have to play in order to win and it's they got to have buy-in. Here is Rick Talkett again speaking on, on Sunday. I can only speak for our team. Game planning and us sticking to our game plan is, is paramount for our team to be successful. You know, we're a team that is, you know, guys are a close bunch of guys. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of guys that, uh, that, that play the same way. Um, but we have to play to the game plan. We have a game plan, obviously, against Avalanche here, and we have to play that style. We can't freelance. Some other teams can freelance and win hot games. We can't. We need one through 21 to, to buy into what we're doing um, for us to have a chance against these type of teams. So, um, you know, for the most part against Nashville, you know, we had a buy-in. We had some game plan. We had obviously had their moments. Uh, Nashville, there's certain times, took it to us, and obviously Kemp's was there for us. But, you know, we're a game plan team that if we can stick with it, you know, we can be dangerous. They absolutely can be dangerous if they stick their game plan. That was one of the things that Talkit had um, preached about after the third game because of the fact that they start out with such a slow start that we've probably mentioned like four or five times already. But um, one of the things that he was proudest of in that game is the fact that they were able to, um, you know, overcome the adversity of starting out really slow and really just stick to their game and come back into their flow because of the fact that, you know, it, it did take them quite a long time in order to start playing the systems he'd put in place. But the fact that they stuck to their game plan and stuck to those systems and really turned the game around, and that was, was probably the thing that Talkit was the most proud of in that third game for sure. So that I, I think is going to be a big thing for him going on because that was the one thing that was 
extraordinarily successful was their um, commitment to um, sticking to his game plan. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, we'll get to our predictions coming up in, in a little bit after we talk to the offside the mile guys. But um, I, I truly think that the Coyotes, if they're going to win this series, yes, Darcy Kemper has to play well. But it's just like we were saying there. It's their game plan and their system. The Coyotes are able to play that system and stick to it so well that they become a frustrating team to play against. And we saw it with Nashville. And if the Coyotes can frustrate the Colorado Avalanche, I, I think, you know, the Coyotes can get the upper hand in this series, especially early. If they can go up in this series by a game and win that first game and set the tone and come out and show that, hey, our offense is still good. Our goaltending is great. We're going to be tough. We're not going to make this easy on you. Colorado is a team that, just like the Coyotes, doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. The Coyotes, granted, do have your Dralmersons. They have your Kessels, your your Brad Richardsons, your guys who have your Derek Stepans who have all played in Stanley Cup finals before. But it's something that I think the Colorado Avalanche don't really have a lot of is, is that Stanley Cup experience um outside of a couple of different players but one last it, sorry it, before you it, though i will say it is going to be key for those players to play like they are veterans uh jalmerson in that fourth game obviously we know from like the very end of that game that he he wasn't playing up to the caliber that he could have been as a vet and was making some very rookie errors. And uh, that is going to be a key to this game too, is the fact that those vets that have played in these high pressure situations actually perform like they've been there before. And then one last piece of audio here from Rick Tockett. I actually asked him about how the preparation is essentially different for this Colorado series because he talked about prior to the Nashville series where they were watching a lot of video because they couldn't practice. They were outside the rink. They knew their opponent weeks and weeks in advance that they really had a lot of time to watch video. Now they really don't. So he was ex explaining how this series now over the next, you know, 24, 48 hours, it's going to be a crash course for this team. Yeah, it's going to be a crash course. I mean, we kind of, you know, players know, other players. I mean, you know, we know what McKinnon, you know, what kind of player he is, you know, and Renton and Landeskog and Mal like McCart, we know the stuff they're doing. You know, we'll show some stuff that the tendencies they, they do, but um, you know, when it comes to system wise, I, I really believe eighty five percent of teams do similar stuff. It's the fifteen percent. And we're gonna have a couple of days here to try to find that fifteen percent tweak that we can do against this hockey club. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. You know, the other way you, know, you had three weeks to prepare for Nashville here. You know, you got two days to, to prepare for Colorado. So it's really a crash course on some things. And then it's obviously, you know, it's like the other question before, how do we shore up some of our weaknesses from the last series? How do we get better at uh, against Colorado? That's going to be a game plan for us too in these next few days. 15%, like you said, that's going to that's gonna be the difference. And that's kind of how I feel about this series too, is that these teams are very close, but the Colorado has that extra 15% that the Coyotes don't. And it's it's those top three lines. It's it's the fact that they are scary, scary up front, and it's going to be tough for the Coyotes to contend. Um, all right, Corey, I think it's time to, uh, to bring in our guests here. 
on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, who uh, who did we have the pleasure of speaking with today? We had the pleasure of speaking with uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Av- Why can't I say things correctly today? Avalanche. Um, I I guess that might have been some type of cool accent. If that was, you know, let me know what kind of cool accent that was because um, definitely wasn't correct. But um, <laughs> the we got to talk to Offside by a Mile, and they are some really funny guys they were um we're recording all this on sunday so it was before the uh toronto um columbus game so uh as one of them is a toronto fan um they were trying to get kind of through the interview so that way they could go in a pre-game before watching the game um but you know i had some fun with one of them there talking about well what would happen for Toronto to be doing so bad that, you know, Austin Matthews would come to Arizona. So we had a, we had a fun conversation about that and, you know, a few other things that have to do with, I guess, the avalanche since we have to talk about them. 40 nation, you know, we are excited about the Colorado avalanche series. The Coyotes back in the playoffs for the first time since 2012. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to bring in some guests here into the sporting nation for the first time. Uh, we want to welcome in the hosts of the Offside by a Mile podcast. They cover the Colorado Avalanche. Welcome into the Sporty Nation for the first time, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Hot. Hot. <laughs> so hot right now. It's too bad you don't have Hansel still. It is too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's we only, might it's have only... Matthew soon, so. Oh, hey. <laughs> That came from we just did we just did their podcast before this and uh, and I had to uh, there happens to be a possible Leafs fan over there so uh, I had to roast a little bit on the fact that they've been having some issues Um, I mean I I love Tortorella too so uh, you know I always lean towards the Blue Jackets in that way but uh, in the fact that if they're still having problems I had to ask how long will it take for uh, Matthews to come back home to Arizona. The, the free Matthews uh, hashtag is going to be flying in a few years, I would think. The maybe, free McDavid's already happening, so. Maybe later tonight. You never yeah, know, that's right? very true. I guess. Yeah, I'm we, really uh, Sunday. Yeah, full, yeah, full disclosure, we're recording before the Maple Leafs-Columbus Blue Jackets game, so we have no idea what happened. It could have been a blowout. It could have been another overtime game. My, Somebody uh, probably blew a three-goal lead. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my my theory is it's either going to be a blowout for the Leafs or a blowout for Columbus. There is no middle ground. <laughs> and, yeah, and you guys saw that Jonas Corposalo is back in net because yeah. Elvis Merzlikens has a mysterious injury of some sort. Oh, does he? I didn't see the injury part. I just saw Corposalo mm-hmm. starting. Yeah. Hmm. And also I'd like to point out that name, Merzlikens. Just- oh, Elvis. You just got to go with Elvis. It's too, it's too hard to say his last name. It, that, it. Is, that is a hell of a last name. And yeah. imagine, like, always having to have that last name and be walking <laughs> around in America and everyone is just butchering it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People nice. can't even say Parise properly. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Parisi? Parisi? Parisi. That's – oh, that one drives me insane. I'm pretty sure he asked for Like, that. yeah, he asked for it. Weird. And it was just like, oh, I hate you so much now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. All right, yeah, let's get let's get straight down to brass tacks here, boys, because we have the the we don't know when this series is going to start because again we're recording on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, 
and they haven't announced any of the times for when these games are going to start. We do know the first round is going to start on Tuesday. Don't know if the Coyotes and Avalanche are going to play. But I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what you guys thought of the Avalanche during their round robin play. I didn't get to watch a lot of them. I didn't watch a lot of the round robin at all because I, I, I just wasn't interested in games that really didn't matter. Well, what yeah, did you think of Colorado's play? I thought it was fine. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that too, the round robin. I didn't watch any of the East round robin hardly at all. Just because, like, you can only watch so much hockey, man. you got to take some time for yourself <laughs> and do something. And it had to be during round robin time. 12 so, hours straight of hockey. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot of hockey. It's I mean, hard. I ain't complaining, I though. Tr- I tried my best, but. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, like, I really enjoy. I, I thought the majority of the time the ass played well. Obviously, the St. Louis game, and this is something we talked about on our podcast today. I find, like, in the game yesterday, the NBC guys were like, clearly it's the Avalanche and the Golden Knights at the top of this Western Conference right now. And I think that's a crazy thought because the Avs literally led for 0.1 second against St. Louis. And, like, other than that, St. Louis would have been ahead of them. I think St. Louis is a really good team. Obviously, Dallas is a tier below. Just they can't score, period, right? Um that being said, right, like, I think the defensive side of the game we saw against St. Louis was nice. The offense side of the game we saw against Dallas was nice. And then kind of the battle we saw against Vegas was sweet. The power play against Vegas was hot garbage. But against Dallas, it was really good. So I'm, I'm definitely happy. I'm definitely confident going into the Arizona series. I think most Avs fans would be too. Yeah, I think I it's – it's good that you kind of mentioned just all the different aspects, like like the defense against St. Louis, the offense against Dallas, the battle against Vegas. That's a really good way to put it because I feel like we saw every kind of action and every kind of situation that yeah. we could have imagined in those three round-robin games. And, yeah, I have to say also goaltending, which we, you know, there were a little bit of questions about our goaltending going in to the playoffs and everything and even like who's going to start blah 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 I thought both goalies played really well and Grubauer looked you know set to take that starting position which is you know just really good to see because there were the questions and you know there would have been lots of criticism if it went the other way um yeah I mean everybody seems to be fit and ready which is a good thing and yeah there's some nice goals and Special teams got lots of work. Yeah. Some some wasn't great, but we saw some really good power plays, really good penalty kills. So overall going in, I'm pretty optimistic for sure. Yeah, let me uh, – one more follow-up and then I'll let Corey go. But, but I'm curious to see from all of these round-robin teams, and, and especially the Avalanche, obviously, it's the Coyotes just fought for their playoff lives for four games. And they went through an entire playoff series already. Whereas most of these round robin teams, and you saw it with the Boston Bruins, it's like they almost really didn't show up and or slash care um, seemingly about these round robin games because they knew they were going to p- keep playing. So do you think that might give the Coyotes an advantage in a way that they just went through a playoff series, whereas the Avalanche kind of were just almost seemingly like glorified regular season games, basically? Well- if you ask the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's why they voted against this format, right? It was the same same thing you just said. A round robin is not going to hold the same intensity as a elimination series, clearly, pure and simple. 
That being said, the West round Robin seemed very different than the East round Robin to me. I know I just said I didn't watch much of the East round Robin, but the good teams were the good teams in the West where the good teams in the East not aren't necessarily performing. It just, it felt like the Western round Robin was like, it meant something. It felt like St. Louis and Vegas and the Avs cared. Whereas like you just said, the Bruins didn't seem to give a shit. Whether or not, whether or not that gives like shootout. Which? Oh, are they? Ooh, yes. just oh, yeah, up. they are. I know. Heads I know up. we're recording a podcast. I, I'm kind of fucking this up, but I just wanted. That's to okay. I, it's we I, get distracted all yeah, the time. We, Don't even worry. It's what happens <laughs> when you record during hockey games. It, it happens. Um, that being said, whether or not Arizona gets uh, uh, advantage from that, I don't know because. It could also mean they're not as fresh. I, it's one of those things. I, I think it's probably nothing. Uh, I think the Avs will be fine. That being said, you could see, like, the first half of game one really being all Arizona, if that's the case, right? I feel like maybe there's uh, maybe a more of a sense of desperation and that and that playing in that desperation kind of level. I could see there being a little bit of a difference in that case. Although, I feel like the Avs, like you kind of said, Tyler, like those top three teams, like all, all three of those games – or sorry, those two games against St. Louis and Vegas were really competitive. Yeah. And and there was some pace and there was some physicality and there was desperation. So. And then if you go to the Dallas Golden Knights game where Dallas was up 3 nothing or 3-1 or whatever, <laughs> and then Vegas comes back, clearly Vegas cared, right? So I, I think the West round Robin was pretty intense. So I think, I think everything will be okay, but obviously uh, elimination series is going to be way, it's, it's the next level. It's that same, it's the same thing. You can almost say that about Tampa Bay from last year and previous years, these teams that are just regular round success stories all the time that just can't seem to ramp it up for playoffs. I can definitely see Arizona having a slight edge just because they've already ramped up. But we'll see. They got to ramp it up a ways, I think, to beat the Avs. So, and I think it's no mystery that we've been seeing throughout um, all of these games that the refs seem to have been a slight bit bored during their quarantine time <laughs> and that they're about willing to call almost anything except for um, some questionable uh, <laughs> things from, from Nashville towards the end of um, our series, which was kind of strange. But, uh, I digress. I mean, in the end, they seem to be calling everything they humanly can. Do you have faith in the Avs special teams in order to pull you guys through if it ends up being where an entire period essentially is played on either the PP or the PK? And it's funny you say that because we talked about that exact thing already during our episode today in our, in our recording previous to us talking. Um, we liked mostly what we saw from our special teams and that like our penalty kill was definitely an issue this year um at even, times even though apparently it was only 14th in the league yeah, that kind which of i blew it, our minds we're like it really felt like it was like 25th in the league but literally that's that's from like the last 20 games yeah because previous to those games it was it was a whole different story because we really started to lock down our defensive game mostly because we had to because we lost a lot of top scorers to injury during the last, you know, little bit of the season for sure with McKinnon going down and then McCarr being out for a while. 
Um, if, if we get a lot of power plays, that might end up, you know, pretty nice for the Avs because as I'm sure most of the people around the league know that this is one of the most dangerous power plays out there, especially just with like the credentials on the players themselves, not to mention like the chemistry that we've seen from McKinnon and McCarr and all that jazz. But um, I mean, penalty trouble, we saw it. We saw it in the round robin. And if, like you said, if those, those refs are going to be blowing those whistles pretty freely, it's a concern. I can't lie. Uh, I've had concerns of that all year long. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's up to the refs. And like we were saying in our episode, hopefully they're going to kind of chill out a little bit, not call some of these little chintzy cross checks. And I don't, I don't expect to see six power plays a game for anybody. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're right though. Like the, <laughs> I, I believe the standards been all over the board already i think that'll get tightened up i think the playoff style of officiating is going to show up now that we're actually in the playoffs the other problem too and the reason why there's so many power plays is i mean first of all how many too too many men's have you seen in this round robin or whatever the, the qualifying round that we've seen man like it seems like there's one a game and that's rust like that's definitely rust on these teams and I assume those that's going to go away. I hope the stick work goes away, like some of the, the lackadaisical high sticks and trips and stuff like that. I think we'll. I think the officiating is going to go back to normal. I hope. I, it's just. I hope the standard gets set up very nicely. And also, just playoff hockey is not meant to be so reliant on special teams. Yeah. It can, in my opinion, and like. It, it does matter when there's an actual penalty, like a big time call, like a big, you know, blatant trip or yeah, a big, you know, kind of hit from behind or whatever high hit. But I I just really don't want to see those chintzy hooks and chintzy little interference calls. Hopefully those go away. I was giving you space for, for your own question, Richie. So I didn't have two back to back. No, I was, I was going to let you go again. Go ahead. If you have, oh. if you have something else for him. Extra polite today. Thank you, Richie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so according to um, regular season stats, though, it says that the Coyotes during the regular season were just ahead of the Avs um, power play wise. So what makes you think that they that this is going to be so much more dominant for the Avs when it comes to, so you're, you're seriously not concerned at all about um, the Coyotes getting to put their special teams out there? Not overly. The, the reason that I'm confident is health. And yes, you can say that about the Arizona Coyotes too, but I think the, the offensive uh, power that is on the Avs power play, I think is a lot scarier. You're you're not wrong. I, I like we said. I'm I'm afraid of our penalty kill more than I'm afraid of the, uh, or the Arizona's power play. It's I, I can say that again. Like I, we could be going against the Oilers, and I'd say the same thing. It the, the PK has just been a struggle all year, so it is a bit scary. But I think our power play can overcome it. Hopefully, fingers crossed. It's just when you have Randon healthy, Landeskog healthy, McKinnon, McCarr, that five man group with Caudry. I don't know. I don't know. How, I guess, like you said, Arizona's power play was better regular season-wise, but I don't know. I just 
the way the abs are rolling right now, it looks nice. I can see that. I mean, I haven't really um, been – and as, as much as I was pulling up regular season stats, I've I, I've been kind of basically saying that none of that really applies when it comes to any of this because this is something strange. It's a, it's a weird, twisted summer camp um, yeah. <laughs> where you, like, all – sing kumbaya and, and play games together and then try to literally take each other's shins off but so it's like it it's a weird situation that none of them have ever been in before so you can't really compare this to regular season or anything and um i mean the coyotes have been looking better power play wise than they did before but um there have been some really terrible power plays by the coyotes through that Nashville season so or series. So I I I don't blame you for being uh too concerned. I'm I mean it would be nice though for the coyotes to get that momentum and be working that power play like they were towards the end of the series. Are you afraid of that kind of momentum switch? Do you, does your team react well to being kind of down momentum wise? Because that was one of the things that the Coyotes had to face this series and kind of overcome because they haven't really dealt with that type of adversity. That's a good question. Um, I feel like there was a lot of examples throughout the season of the Avs really working on making uh, – what's the words I'm looking for here? of retaining a proper kind of work ethic and an emotional stability when it comes to finishing out games earlier in the season. And I know it's, I'm glad that you kind of said that. Why are we even, you know, kind of bringing up regular season stuff? Because honestly, I don't even know what the hell is going to happen in in these playoff series. And we've already seen it with two big upsets of 12 seeds beating five seeds who the hell even knows what's going to happen in this playoffs, honestly. And even if you go back to last year's playoffs, that, sh- that was a shit show. Yeah. People, people, you know, Columbus, uh, uh Everyone, sweeping Tampa, then Carolina sweeping Columbus. It's like, what the hell's happening? I don't know. Every one seed got knocked out last year. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. But yeah, like, I, I feel like we cleaned up a lot of our, a lot of our, uh, I don't know, unfortunate reactions to you know losing leads it happened a lot i have lost a lot of leads i also haven't seen the defensive breakdowns which generally came with those momentum swings i found in the regular season too and the just the breakdowns haven't seemed to be so bad for the avs so far but again it's three games really i don't know i don't know what to expect fully yeah Uh, yeah. but yeah it's i don't know momentum wise i like the avs had a lot of battle I th- they had a lot of battle against Vegas too. They didn't lead a second of that game and still made it go to overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of battle in the regular season. The- this Avs team was really good at blowing leads in the third period. That being said, they won a lot of games still because they caught like they they had a very good work ethic when it came to being down a couple goals. The offense is there; they can do it. They, they- we we joked about the Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets blowing three goal leads. I'm not saying that the Avs will do that. I'm not saying Arizona's going to do that. But I would. I'm not going to sit there in a corner when the Avs go down three nothing if they ever do and think it's over. I I would say the same thing from the Coyotes' perspective too because they blew a couple of <laughs> they blew a couple leads in that Nashville series that they had to overcome 
And, uh, and we, the Coyotes were well known for doing that during the regular season. I would say, Corey, we're all the time. They'd be up two goals and all of a sudden, Oh, it's gone. Well, we just blew another two goal lead. Um, so I wonder, I'm curious if that's going to happen again, this series. I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will. I think most of the series is going to be pretty tight for the most part. So we're going to see a lot of one goal games. And if we do see yeah, two goal games, so, it's going to yeah. be like empty netters type of thing. But yeah, I, uh, I want, I wanted to uh, to ask you guys this. First of all, you can follow our guests on Twitter. Um, their show Twitter feed is at Offside by a Mile. I'm certain that uh, Corey and I and and you guys are going to go back and forth on Twitter a lot during the series. For sure, uh, and just, for sure. just talk shit, just constantly, no matter what happens. Yep. Uh, looking forward to that. A little chirping, you know. Um, but here's my but my she, last question for so you guys. Aggressive with this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, can you blame me for being confident, though? Like, Coyotes just beat Nashville three out of four, and Nashville's not a bad hockey team at all. Like, they're they – were, They're kind of bad. They you got to be confident, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I got to be – I'm a little cocky now, and I probably shouldn't you're be allowed. that way. But, no, you're allowed. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so my, here's my last question for you guys, which is, which is this. I, number one, uh, your prediction as far as – who's going to win this series and in how many games, and then maybe just another prediction outside of that from both of you, uh, as far as what you think we're going to see uh, coming up here in this series. I hate predictions. Predictions are always so bad for me. I know. Uh, and then nobody ever remembers them either, which is great. So we can say shit true. all the time. And, okay. and then yeah. nobody remembers them unless they're correct. I, and then except you when you're right. Because I had Yotes in four, which I changed like on our little like graphic that we put out to Yotes in five after seeing them play like garbage in their exhibition game. Um, so I didn't see that tweet that you had there. Just stuck with the gut. But my initial one that I put on like all the other podcasts and like after hours and on here and everything was Yotes and Four. So the fact that I was actually right on that is something that like I never really brag about those things, but I was like going banana lands about it because I couldn't help myself. (laughs) Uh, I think I'll stick with six games. I feel like it's definitely there's going to be some going to be some games in there. I'm just way too confident in the abs to pull this one out. Uh, I'd say in our poll yesterday that we posted before the abs game, uh, who we wanted abs or Blackhawks, I said abs just because I didn't want to deal with Taves and Kane. You mean Coyotes. There, sorry. Yeah, Arizona. Yep, yep. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going abs in six. Uh, we do exist. Much- you don't have to replace us with the name of your own team. <laughs> I, it's the a stuff it's the a stuff i can't deal with it right now um yeah i think i think this is gonna be a really close series and as much as i'd like to be different i'm gonna say abs and six as well because that's what i've been feeling the entire time um i do feel like the coyotes will have some big performances from their defense and i'm not going to be surprised if kemper steals at least one game but I mean, this is – we kind of talked earlier about, like, the momentum shifts and everything. Um, I just feel like the – like I kind of already said, the reaction to momentum shifts that the Avs acquired throughout the last little bit of the season. And like Tyler said, the the battle in that in that Vegas game, yeah, we didn't necessarily have the offensive chances that we wanted. We were a little bit sloppy with our passing, all that but I feel like the team doesn't quit like they had previously done 
you know, halfway through the season, there was a lot of games where we'd go down two, three goals and, and it was done. You could see it. I don't, I don't see that quit anymore. So I don't, I don't see too many problems coming up that the Avs can't deal with in this series. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but Coyotes are going to lose. Okay. Avs are six. Yep. I know that hurt you really deep down into your core to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then as for prediction otherwise, oh, man. I feel like Nachushkin is going to be big, like huge for the Avs. He's been on fire in the round robin. He looks like a man possessed on a lot of shifts. He's drew, I think, three penalties already. Mm-hmm. And he's a player that lots of lots of teams aren't going to necessarily think about right now. We away, talked right? about the depth scoring, and that's going to be – he'll be one of our depth scorers, that's for sure. Yeah. Glad you brought him up. Chuchi. Chuchi. What's yours, Jared? My what? Your outside prediction outside of the games. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wow. Cole. Cole's going to oh. score some big goals. Same with Johnson. Um, Ian Cole's statistically his best offensive season actually, ever. more so Johnson. We didn't talk about Johnson yet. We're probably going to still talk about that because we got to talk about the Vegas game on yeah. our podcast still. But Eric Johnson, someone who – I haven't seen very much offensive anything from this year he was making plays he was driving the net almost sending himself on breakaways creating two-on-ones i was like yes ej there's a veteran presence i think he'll have a big impact on this series too when it comes to shutting down and maybe giving that veteran spark in this team when they need it uh, quickly do you guys miss carl soderberg because that was a, a, a John Chica trade. That was beautiful. Carl Soderberg playing well for the Cowdies this year yeah. and the Nashville series. And meanwhile, you guys have Kevin Connaughton, who I don't even yeah. know. Is he in the NHL anymore? I, I think uh, he played in the NHL most of the season. He's, I think he played a couple games this year when the Avs were injured, but he is nowhere close to that roster. He's, right uh, <laughs> he's, he's there. I hope to yeah. God we don't see him on the ice. I'll tell um, you that. <laughs> That the fact that you brought that up is fair because yeah. we there, there's so many good additions to the Avs lineup from last summer that I totally forget about that trade even happening, and I don't even care about it because the fact that Sakic added Kadri, he added Nachushkin, he added Nemestikov, he added Belmar, Donskoy. Like there's the, the list of additions to supplement the big three on the abs this the past summer man oh my god i don't even care about soderberg but glad he's doing well yeah and i did see he how many goals did he get i know i saw the one goal that he scored and i was like yeah he had i think he just had the empty netter okay um, at and at, at the end of the of game three but but he played pretty well in, in the rest of the games with even though he didn't get on the score sheet though I'm sure uh, I'm sure abs fans have fond memories of him like he was a pretty solid character player right so Mm-hmm. Um, we wish him luck in this series, but not too much, as we always say. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that, that was a kind of a train wreck of a trade. I'll tell you that. Every time we saw Kanan this year, we were just like, "Oh goodness, He's, he sucks. He's yeah. not good." And he He's, was one of the Coyotes' like top six defensemen, right? La- as mu- as late as last year, he was getting minutes over Ilya Labushkin. It's like, what are we doing, guys? What are yeah, we doing? Know. I, yeah, I mean, he's probably like our eight or ninth D-man at this point, yeah. right? Corey, so. Corey, do you have any uh, la- uh, last question for the guys before we let him go? 
No, I mean, I, I think that the drinking probably needs to start before Commence. the uh, Leafs game. So I, I think I'll <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah, right. I think I'm going to need to start that too. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us here in the Sporting Nation. First time. Hopefully this is a long series because uh, I, 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 want, I want the Coyotes to, uh, to at least give Colorado hell for seven games, at the very least, if the Coyotes don't win the series. And like I said, uh, I don't think the Coyotes are. I picked the Avalanche in six games as well. But uh, before we let you go, guys, uh, where can uh, our Sporting Nation listeners follow you guys so they can get the Colorado perspective while watching the series that starts uh, as early as Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're on Twitter at Offside by a Mile. Um, and of course, you know, check out the hockey podcast network.com and, you know, all the other great shows out there. We also, of course, run every single pretty much podcast platform, as you guys probably know, with listening to Corey and Richie, um, um YouTube channel or yep. podcast go there on video. Um, yep, Facebook to too. Those out. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're also on Facebook trying to get a little bit more traction over there. Uh, same thing offside by a mile. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming in, guys. Enjoy the series and uh, go Coyotes. Yeah, go Avs. Yeah, I heard that. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoy the series, guys. It should be a great one. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on. We really appreciate talking to you guys. That is the first time we've had them um, on the show with us. So it was really cool to get to spend some time with them. Once again, they are offside by a mile. Um, I'm sure you can probably figure out the pun there. Um, we really appreciate them taking out the time to talk to us. And uh, we're going to have some fun, you know, talking to them throughout the series and talking to them on uh, Twitter. If you know, if you want to give them some crap too, you, you heard their Twitter handle. So now you know. But moving on, uh, Richie and I kind of wanted to close out the show giving our little predictions going forward. I mean, Richie already kind of teased the fact that he is his own um, analytics machine over there and has been calculating it all out. So I will let you start, Richie, with what your predictions are for the series. I hinted at it there during the during the interview with those guys. And I just think that what the Colorado Avalanche do well they do everything that the Coyotes can do, but they do it a little bit better um, outside of Darcy Kemper, which is key. If Darcy Kemper might be able to steal the stinking series if he only gives up one or two goals per game. Then, yeah, the Coyotes can win this series. But the Coyotes' offense is lacking compared to the Colorado Avalanche. The Colorado Avalanche defense is, like we talked about earlier in the show, is stout as heck. They have one of the best young defensemen in the league, Kale McCarr. I love watching that kid play. Absolutely incredible. And in my opinion, should win the Calder Trophy this year over Quinn Hughes um, for the rookie of the year in the NHL. But I'm going to, I'm gonna, like I said with those guys, I, I think that it's going to be a close series. I think it's going to be a lot of one-goal hockey games. I think it's going to be very similar to what we've seen from the Coyotes over the last two years with the Avs, which is back-and-forth action galore. But I think the Avs are, are going to come out on top here. The My algorithm has spit out that the Colorado Avalanche will win this series in six games. That's, I mean, it's very frustrating to say, but like at the same time, we always want to be truthful with you guys. Like we will always be on the side of um, 
the coyotes like we will always be rooting for them um i will richie has literally told me that i have to wear my lululemon pants that i wore in game four um every single game next series so we are very committed but um i would have to be in the same i would like it to go further you know i would um I would like it to go to game seven, but I, I would have to mostly agree with you. I would really like though, for this to be a nice long series and for the Coyotes to at least put up a really good fight in it. So it's great momentum going into next season and into Taylor Hall negotiations. I agree. Maybe, maybe I'm, I mentioned this on the, when we were on the Colorado show, we didn't get a chance to talk about it here because we didn't really spend all that much time on game four, but um, Taylor Hall's reaction to Brad Richardson's goal is like everything. That just shows me that this dude really likes winning, <laughs> number one, and really likes this team, seemingly. He, was, he looked like a school kid after Brad Richardson's goal to actually win a playoff series. So this is only Taylor Hall's second time he's going to be in the playoffs, and it's thanks to this Coyotes team. So imagine if he's if the Coyotes are able to sneak past the avalanche somehow, um, that's looking good for, that looks good for Taylor Hall to try and convince him to come back. However, we'll continue that discussion because it's going to continue on to the off season. And after the Coyotes are eliminated from the playoffs. Um, and there's always bound to be at least one upset. Let's just hope the Coyotes are that one. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. And that would be absolutely beautiful. There were a lot of them in the qualifying round series. So hopefully there is just enough of them in the uh, in the opening series here. Remember, Columbus Blue Jackets beat last year. They beat the number one seed in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Tampa Bay Lightning were the best regular season team we've seen in, in 20 years. So it can happen. Upsets can happen as Coyotes fans we hope that the Coyotes can uh, can pull it out. But again, annihilated everyone's bracket last year. It was a big deal. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, our heads are telling us different than our heart this time, at least. But anyway, uh, any last words, Corey, before we go? Um, I I'm I'm really hoping for uh, Yotes and seven. That's why I I'm I'm going with the Habs and seven, but I'm hoping for Yotes and seven. Just, just wanting to put that out there since I'm, I really believe in like really good energy. So um, I'm just going to throw it out there. See what the hockey gods do with it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show. Instagram at Corey Richie Show. We have our merch store link up on the Instagram and Twitter pages. Go check that out. Buy some if, you, if you'd like to support the show. Um... And until next time, Sporty Nation, good night and good hockey.